You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey guys, this is episode 18 of Trash Talk with TK. In this episode, we'll talk about the Sixers draft from the other night, uh, the trade of Michael Bridges for Zaire Smith and a 2021 unprotected that being the key word, unprotected first-round pick. We'll talk about the Phillies um, after a, a pretty good weekend in Washington. Two very uh, frustrating games here against the Yankees. And we'll talk about Westworld, TV show uh, that I watched. Season 2 wrapped up the other night, and I'll give you a brief synopsis of that. Let's start talking about the Sixers and the big trade the other night for them in the NBA draft. The NBA draft has concluded, and the Sixers take Michael Bridges with the 10th pick, then trade him to Phoenix for Zaire Smith from Texas Tech, but the deal, a 2021 unprotected first-round pick that is initially owned by the Miami Heat, traded to Phoenix, and now with the 76ers. And there's been a lot of debate since last week. As to that trade in the Sixers dealing Bridges, who seemingly would have been a good fit in Philadelphia, for Smith, who's a little more of a project, probably a higher upside, but maybe not ready to contribute immediately the way Michael Bridges would have. But the big part of that trade and the trade is a slam dunk, no doubt about it, home run, no brainer for the 76ers is that 2021 first-round pick. That pick could be incredibly valuable down the line. I know a lot of people say, what good is a um, three years from now? You're a team that wants to contend right now. And yeah, you're a team that wants to contend right now, but it can never hurt to have assets down the line. These picks are so valuable in this league. They are gold. And you can use them in a variety of different ways. You could potentially, yeah, you could keep it and make the pick in 2021. A draft that is supposed to be one of the most loaded drafts in years, considering Dunn rule could be gone. That could be the first year where players are allowed to come back into the league straight from college. You could have, or straight from high school, you could have the the best players coming out of high school and the best one and duns in the same draft, or you could use it as Brett Brown said in his press conference after the draft, for an established star player. And that's the route that I think the Sixers are going to look to go here. When they acquired that pick, there is no doubt in my mind that the guy Brett Brown was thinking of was Kawhi Leonard. And I don't know if the Sixers are going to end up with Kawhi Leonard. There's certainly a lot of competition out there whenever a player of his caliber is available. I think he's the third best player in the league. Whenever there's a player like that available, that it doesn't come up often that a team would consider trading that kind of player. But if he's going to walk after the year anyway, San Antonio at least needs to explore their options. And when that kind of guy becomes available, there's going to be a ton of interest. And there is a ton of interest. You've heard the Lakers, and you've heard Kawhi has interest in going the Lakers. The Boston Celtics have been rumored as having interest. They always have interest when these guys become available. 
But there are a lot of teams that are going to be in the mix for Kawhi Leonard, and that will be high. The price will be high to begin with to get a player like that, but when you have a ton of teams and there could become a bidding war, you need assets. You need firepower to go get a guy like that to to make your offer stand up and, and be competitive with some of the other offers out there. And that 2021 draft pick from Miami that the Sixers were able to acquire is huge in that regard. It makes them a real player. Before having that pick, it would have been really difficult for the Sixers to make an offer that would compete with a team like Boston that has assets assets for years. The Sixers didn't have much more collateral in terms of valuable picks down the line. Thanks in large part to the the move Brian Colangelo made, trading up to get Markel Fultz, giving up a very valuable, unprotected Sacramento Kings pick in 20 that Boston can now use in a deal for Kawhi Leonard or a deal for another star player. But this pick puts the Sixers in the mix for a difference maker. That's the thing. When I hear people talk about Michael Bridges, and yeah, he would have come in. He'd have been a nice player. He'd have filled a role. He'd have contributed to this team right away. But Michael Bridges isn't changing your team. He's not. He's a role player. A role player that, in a lot of ways, has been a bit overrated in this town. For no other reason than he went to Villanova. People have kind of kind of made Michael Bridges into something that he's not. And I think a lot of that is because he went to Villanova. He's a local kid. His mom works for the organization. And yeah, it's it's disappointing for the kid that he got traded. You can understand the emotion of it. And he said right after the selection that he was so happy to be a Sixer and play for his hometown team. But this is a business. This is a business. And when people say the Sixers didn't handle it correctly, I don't know how else they could have handled it. You know, they, they're waiting. They make their pick. And I, I believe Brett Brown, that he made that pick with the full intention to keep Mikael Bridges, but when the pick gets to Phoenix and it's 16 and they call you then and Zaire Smith's still available and they ask you if that's somebody you're interested in and they offer that 2021 pick, you got to do the deal. You can't take Mikael Bridges' emotions. You can't take his his feelings into account. You need to do what's best for your organization. You need to do what's best for your basketball team. Not just now, but moving forward into the future. And what gives you the most options to get better going into the future? And there's no doubt that this move does exactly that. And we don't know what that pick's going to turn into. We uh, Maybe the Sixers traded for Kawhi Leonard. Maybe they hold on to it. Maybe they trade it next year for a, for a different player. Maybe they keep the pick in 2021. Nobody knows exactly what is going to come of that pick. But what we do know is it's an incredibly valuable asset to have in your back pocket. I know a lot of the anti-process people hate that word asset. 
Well, they're dumb. That That's dumb. It's dumb to think that way. It's short-sighted and narrow-minded to think that way. You need to take the future into account. And that leads me to Brett Brown. And why I am more confident than ever that Brett Brown can capably lead this organization into the future. My concerns going into draft night were that Brett Brown being the head coach of this team would have conflicting interests and that normally you need a front office, you need your guy who's running the front office, running the draft, your your general manager. You need that guy to be taking the future into the into account and the head coach is the guy who's more about taking the present into account, putting the best product on the floor now. And my fear was that Brett Brown would do everything in this draft just to, you know, get that extra win or two this year, get the guy that would help him the most this year. But that move that Brett Brown made reeked of a guy, reeked of a man who has the long-term future, the long-term best interest of this organization at heart. That is a shrewd, long-term move to go get that selection. Because, yeah, I do think he wants to use it now. I I certainly think Brett Brown, uh, especially after his quotes where he says we're star hunting, yeah, I think he does want to use that pick now. I think he wants to go get Kawhi Leonard, a guy who he has a history with and one of the top players in the league. But still, this is a good long-term move to have that selection. And, yeah, he gave up a guy who might help a little more this year. But it was the right move. And if you don't think that was the right trade to make, you don't know how the league works. It's that simple. You don't know how the league works. Draft picks are valued so highly in this league, especially especially when it comes to trade collateral. You need those picks. You can't just get a guy like another big-time player with guys on your roster. You need those picks to put you in the game. Boston's biggest asset, with all that Boston has, I still think their biggest asset is probably that Kings pick, that unprotected Kings pick next year that Brian Colangelo traded them. And Boston is going to be a difficult team to compete with when going after a guy like Kawhi. They have Kyrie Irving, whose potential trade piece. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, that pick. They have a lot to give up. This pick puts the Sixers in the mix. And when you talk about potential trade proposals for Kawhi Leonard, what I look at as as the deal that I think might get it done, and I do this, Markel Fultz, Robert Covington, the 2021 pick, and next year's first-round pick. That's a lot. That is certainly a, a, a lot to give up, especially if you believe in Markel Fultz. I'm a little skeptical of Markel Fultz, but I think a lot of people still believe him and still think he can be a really good player. But I do that. And I think I'd, I'd have to consider doing that even if Kawhi Leonard does not agree I'm doing an extension. Bring him in here and... See if you can convince him to stay. See if coming in and playing with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid is enough and playing in this town. I think it could be. And this puts the Sixers in the mix. That's the biggest thing. This makes them real players. And it was such a brilliant move by Brett Brown to pull this off. Brilliant, 
brilliant move. Really, when you think about it, an incredibly lopsided trade that Phoenix would give up an unprotected, unprotected picks in this league never get traded. Never. And they gave it up for Michael Bridges. And that's why they're the Suns. They're a poorly run organization. That was not a smart move for their part. Was not. It was an incredibly smart move for the Sixers and a perfect draft night scenario for them to get an extremely valuable piece for the future. Now I'll talk a little bit about the Phillies and Phillies dropped the first two games of their series at home to the Yankees. It's been a pretty lackluster, frustrating series so far. Phillies have not been very competitive. Lose a close one Monday night are pretty much dominated by Luis Severino on Tuesday night. And it's been a, a rough series to watch. The offense really has not done anything. As I said, Severino just dominant on Tuesday. And it's been annoying with all the Yankee fans coming down from New York. They've taken over the stadium. Much has been made over that. And, uh, you know, I I have trouble blaming Phillies fans at this point. I know there's been a lot of heat put on Phillies fans as far as why is the attendance not better why are the fans not going out to the park and you know it's really not abnormal for that to be the case with a team in their position in baseball there are so many games and we've proven in this town that when the baseball team is good and when they're a consistent contender fill that stadium I and mean, the Phillies a couple years ago had one of the longest sellout streaks in baseball it was incredible and you know it takes a little bit of time to build up to that yeah this is a young team and they're 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 fun to watch but it takes some time to build back up those attendance numbers i'm surprised there haven't been more phillies games that, more phillies fans at this series so far i am i thought the yankees would sell a little more. Obviously, a lot of Yankee fans have bought up those tickets, and it's been, you know, probably somewhere close to 50-50 in the first two games. But I think the attendance will get better as this team continues to get better. Uh, they, they have been competitive through the first half of the year. We're getting to the midway point now, and I don't... I, I think the Phillies have pretty much done what we've hoped they would do. Is I, I think the hope coming into the year was... Yeah, this is a good team. Yeah, they should be exciting. But can they contend? And can they stay in it? At least, you know, can they stay in it until August? Can they stay in it until September? That's still to be determined. But we're in the last week of June, and they're in the mix. Yeah, it's been a frustrating last couple days. Uh, The Phils took the first two in Washington, and it looked like They really had a chance to sweep that series. Should have swept that series. The bullpen didn't blow another game in the finale. And then the first two against the Yankees. Hopefully they get back on track um, tonight. And then a four-game set at home with the Nats over the weekend. But they're in it as of right now. Whether they can stay in it, though, for the long haul, whether they can stay in it and really be a contender going into the, the stretch part of the season... It all depends on Matt Klintak. And it all depends on whether Matt Klintak is willing to go out and get his team some help because they desperately need it. Yeah, the last couple nights, the issue more than anything has been the offense. But 
the thing that has plagued this team more than anything all year and the thing that they desperately need to get corrected is that bullpen. The bullpen has been a complete and utter disaster. I thought coming into the year that they overrated what they had in the bullpen. You know, they pretty much signed Tommy Hunter and thought, okay, that that's going to cure all our, all our problems. Tommy Hunter has been a disaster. They signed Pat Neshek. Pat Neshek still hasn't pitched. They say he's coming back. I mean, I'm not going to believe it until I see him out there. They've said he's coming back for six weeks. He still hasn't, thro- hasn't pitched a game yet. And I don't know. I kind of question Pat Neshek's desire to get back on the mound. Whether that's fair or not, um, I I thought found it odd that Pat Neshek went through all spring training, didn't say anything about his arm, and then on the morning of opening day complained about arm issues and now hasn't pitched for three months. I find that a little odd that wouldn't he have been experiencing something prior to opening day where he would have been able to start getting it corrected then? Neshek is a guy who, I just, I don't know. I I don't really like him. I I feel like there were comments early in the year criticizing Gabe Kapler. When you put two and two together, I think you can kind of decipher that may have been Pat Neshek making those comments. When you put it with with agents and, and things like that, it very well could have been Pat Neshek making those comments. I just, there's something about that guy that rubs me the wrong way. I've said it. I I don't like that he's you know at the All Star game trying to track down Zach Greinke and get his autograph and you know you're a professional baseball player. I don't understand why you're doing that kind of thing. I've never really liked Pat Neshek and um, I just I don't know. I I kind of question how much he really cares to get back and help his team because I really didn't like what he did on opening day and the bullpen is just in large part been a mess you know Adam Morgan he had two good months last year and they expected Adam Morgan to be a lights out left-handed reliever they ignored you know Adam Morgan's track record before those two months he's not he's not a good major league pitcher Hector Neris we all know what a disaster he's been Adubre Ramos has good stuff but he's inconsistent and so on and so forth you're you're depending on on such a young guy in Sir Anthony Dominguez where you're putting a lot on his plate. You're putting a ton on Sir Anthony Dominguez's plate as a young player, a really a rookie just coming into the league, and you're asking him to record six-out saves, and you're bringing him in to face Bryce Harper, and I have no problem with you bringing him in in those spots, but when you do it night after night, and you're asking him to pitch multiple innings night after night, that is a lot to put on any pitcher, let alone a rookie. And if Matt Klintak does not do anything to go out and help his manager and help his ball club, they're not going to go anywhere. Uh, people blame Gabe Kapler. People have blamed Gabe, Gabe Kapler all year for some of the moves he's made. Some are on the north. Some of them don't, don't work. There have been a lot of ter- times when it has worked. You don't hear about those as much. But I don't know what people really want Gabe Kapler to do at this point. He's working with a deck that is stacked against him right now. 
He doesn't have the horses. He doesn't have the personnel to win. That bullpen is a disaster. I don't know what moves he could make that would make it better. And we're at the point where Matt Klentak needs to be aggressive. I think Matt Klentak has done a decent job over the last couple of years rebuilding this team and being patient, which Ruben Amaro was unwilling to do. But now he needs to move on to the next phase and he needs to acquire help for his manager because this team can contend. They can contend, but not with the roster that's here right now. I also think it would be smart to look into a guy like Adrian Beltre who's on the trade block, another bat to come in and really solidify this lineup that's been a little inconsistent at times. Get a veteran bat in here that can really come in and help add some consistency to this lineup, consistent punch to this lineup. Because Matt Klintak's talked the whole time about, oh, well, we have a decent start to July. We'll consider adding help. That message. I think, you know, you are a contender. You shouldn't wait to see how it plays out. You're a contending team, and you need to go get help now because that will get, people talk about the attendance. That'll get people to the ballpark. When they see an organization that is fully committed for it, that's what gets people out to the ballpark. When your general, you can't have your general manager taking a cautious approach when your team is in the mix and then complain about attendance. You can't. You got to always be smart, of course, and don't completely sacrifice the future. But the guys we're talking about them getting aren't going to cost an arm and a leg. You're talking about you'll have to give up a couple mid level prospects for bullpen help and Adrian Beltre, who the Texas is out of it. You know, they're looking to get what they can in return. You don't need to give up A-level prospects. You don't need to give up Scott Kingery, J.P. Crawford. Or, you know, we're not talking about trading for Manny Machado. That's a smart move. I wouldn't give up the high-level prospects. But to get bullpen help, to get an extra bat in the lineup, you don't have to give up that much. And this is the time for Matt Clentad to make a move and he needs to help his manager. Gabe Kapler's taking a lot of heat, but he can't do it on his own. He needs Matt Klintak to assist him and give him a better roster for the stretch run if the Phillies want to seriously contend for a playoff spot. So to close out here on Trash Talk with TK, I want to talk a little bit about a TV show that I've watched over the first two seasons uh, Westworld season two ended the other night on HBO, and it's is, Westworld is a crazy show. Um, I'm a big TV guy, as you know. Game of Thrones, I think, is the best television show ever made. It's tremendous. I love Breaking Bad; is probably my second favorite. But uh, I'm a big TV guy, much more TV over movie guy. And I just finished watching season season two of Westworld, and. This show is insane. If you haven't seen it, I, I recommend it. It's it's odd. It's definitely strange. So when you go into it, you know, be ready for that. It's basically the the premise of the show in season one, just to give a quick, a quick uh, synopsis here. It's basically an amusement park where it's an amusement park for adults and People come into this amusement park and they're and it's populated by robots, essentially. 
which are called hosts. They call the robots hosts. And they're basically robots in human form. If you don't know the difference, you could, you know, you could talk to them and not know the difference between a human and a host. But they're basically there for the guests amusement and the guests can pretty much do whatever they want they can kill the host they can you know use the hosts in any way that they see fit and season one kind of is about the awakening of the of the host as far as gaining self-awareness and understanding the reality and understanding that they are you know genetically made up and they are basically just there to be tortured basically by the hosts and and used in whatever way possible. And and season one ends with them kind of starting an uprising and season two dives deeper into it and is basically a a war within the park between the humans and the hosts. But it, it evolves because what was not revealed in season one and what is really the big issue of season two is all these years this is set in the future I, nobody knows how long probably somewhere like 50 60 years in the future i'd assume but what we didn't know was that in season one and all throughout the existence of the park the people who run the park have been gathering information and basically copying the personalities the personality profiles of the guests to kind of make more hosts and copy the guests which is obviously a big violation of privacy and not something that the guests knew was going on the whole time and it, and it's just crazy to watch this show and really kind of it asks the viewer in a lot of ways like what constitute what constitutes humanity like w- just because these hosts are genetically engineered and robotic they are what make what makes them less human than the humans they have emotions they have feelings they have they have the normal kind of se- sense senses and just kind of human feelings that the humans have and do they deserve to be treated the same way and it's a it's a very interesting question when you look at it and the show at the end jumps to the future and one of the main characters who we followed the whole time his name is William who he's the executive vice president of this whole company he's pretty much runs the whole park but he's obsessed with the park and finding meaning in the park and at the very end and it drives him nuts to the point where he kills his daughter in the park because he can't tell the difference between whether she's a host or a human he thinks that that this other guy ford who i know uh, if you haven't seen it what i'm saying is extremely confusing right now but he thinks that he is shooting a host version of his daughter because he's just gone completely insane and you find out in the end that there's a, a jump in timeline and that he has been made into a host himself and they've been running tests to see if if he could ever change 
from what he did the first time, and he always ends up killing his daughter every time. And they came to the conclusion near the end of the show that they, they've tested the hosts tons of times, and they're always testing them for bugs, and sometimes, you know, they they, they malfunction, and they make blocks, and they have to kind of get rid of those hosts and start over, but the hosts have come to the realization that superior are the superior form. That it's actually more simple, that humans are coded in the same way that the hosts are. The hosts are given all these personality traits, they're given these these emotions, they're given these down they're supposed to say. But it's interesting that in the end, they come to the realization that humans are even simpler and that humans are coded in the same way. And it's a really interesting show when you look at just free will. Who has free will? Do the hosts have free will? Do humans even have everything we do kind of something that's already pre-coded in us? And it's a really interesting show. I recommend it. Um... And if you haven't seen it and you find uh, the last seven minutes of what I've been saying extremely confusing, I totally understand. But if I, and I hope I I made myself somewhat clear, I doubt I did, but uh, if you understood any of what I said and find what I said interesting, I'd recommend Westworld because it's a pretty, it's a pretty good entertaining show and it makes you ask a lot of a lot of interesting questions just, you know, dealing with humanity and free will. So I highly recommend it. That'll do it for uh, Trash Talk with TK. I'll be back next week. We'll talk about, um, I guess, NBA free agency starts this weekend. LeBron situation, where that stands. Who knows whether this stands to hopefully they do. Uh, hopefully we'll get to discuss. I'll be on WIP this weekend, Saturday into Sunday, actually, Free agency opens that night at midnight, so we'll be talking about all the rumors swirling around that night, 2 to 6 a.m., Saturday into Sunday, Radio 94 WIP. That'll do it for Trash Talk with TK. Thank you guys for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.